Welcome back to the Vine Church podcast. Today, we're continuing our devotional study series in the book of Psalms. If you haven't already, you can find us on YouTube at the Vine Church Odium and Church Crookham. And we'd love for you to join us over there. Hello there. Welcome. Good morning. We're going to read from Psalm 66 this morning. If you'd like to get your Bibles ready, we're going to look at Psalm 66. Now, I'll tell you what I find with the Psalms. Uh, sometimes, I have to be honest, I find that they all seem to sort of melt into one. They all seem a bit samey. You can feel that um, one looks quite similar to the other and you kind of think, well, you know, which Psalm are we reading today? Um, and Joshua and I have actually said over the last couple of weeks, maybe we'll move on and do something different soon. And uh, we probably will. But what I've discovered, actually, as I've spent more time in the Psalms is this, that each and every individual Psalm does have its own unique voice and contribution to make to the message of the Psalter. And if you like, you could say that each Psalm has its very own USP its own unique selling point, something that it says that the other Psalms don't say. So as we read Psalm 66, I'd like you to see whether you can spot the unique selling point that we find in Psalm 66. Let's read it together. Shout with joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Make his praise glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies cringe before you. All the earth bows down to you. They sing praise to you. They sing praise to your name. Come and see what God has done, how awesome his works on man's behalf. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the waters on foot. Come, let us rejoice in him. He rules forever by his power. His eyes watch the nations. Let not the rebellious rise up against him. Praise our God, O peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard. He has preserved our lives and kept our feet from slipping. For you, O God, tested us. You refined us like silver. You brought us into prison and laid burdens on our backs. You let men ride over our heads. We went through fire and water, but you brought us to a place of abundance. I will come to your temple with burnt offerings and fulfill my vows to you. Vows my lips promised and my mouth spoke when I was in trouble. I will sacrifice fat animals to you and an offering of rams. I will offer bulls and goats. Come and listen, all you who fear God. Let me tell you what he has done for me. I cried out to him with my mouth. His praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God has surely listened and heard my voice in prayer. Praise be to God who has not rejected my prayer or withheld his love from me. So what do we have here? We have this psalmist speaking at two different levels. So I don't know if you've spotted that in verses 1 to 12, what is the emphasis in verses 1 to 12? It's 
the emphasis is this the people of God are testifying to the peoples of the world. If you like, the nation of Israel is testifying to the nations of the world, saying in verse 16, come and see, sorry, verse 5, come and see what God has done for us, telling the nations to come and see what God has done for them as the nation of God. In verses 13 to 20, the emphasis is different, isn't it? Can you see what it's like? There we see the individual worshipper saying to the people around him or her, to fellow worshippers, come and see, come and listen to what God has done for me. And the principle is the same in the both halves of the psalm. In both cases, testimony is given in order that other people might come to praise God. In the first instance, testimony by the nation to the nations. In the second instance, testimony by a person to the people around them. And it's worth noticing that the power of testimony is seen here. It's really powerful when we testify to what God has done for us as a church, as God's people and as individuals. When we speak out, it has an effect on building the faith of other people. Someone was just telling me the other day of something that God had done for them in their life uh, recently. And I found it incredibly powerful and faith building, just listening to their testimony. It helped me to be a worshipper of God. I'd encourage you when God's brought you through a troubled time, a difficult time, when God has answered a prayer for you. Why don't you testify to it? Why don't you declare to someone, tell someone what God has done for you? Let's just dig in a little bit more to the first 12 verses. And here we see this testimony to the nations by the nation of Israel. And they say, shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing his glorious name. Make his praise glorious. You notice that there's this emphasis on proclaiming, on singing, on worshipping. Worship in the Psalms is almost always vocal. It's verbalized and it's not just spoken, but it is sung. There's something about singing that is powerful, that draws out emotional response in us, as well as just an intellectual response. And so there is this emphasis here, shout for joy, yes, sing to uh, of his glorious name. I came across an excellent definition by John Piper uh, only yesterday, actually. John Piper was speaking uh, about worship and praise and singing. And he gives this testimony of singing, this uh, definition of singing. He says, singing is good and fitting when it expresses truth that accords with God's words and affections that accord with, with God's worth. So singing is fitting when it expresses truth that accords with God's words and affections that accord with God's worth. We should sing truth that is biblical truth. That's why some of the hymns are so great that we sing. And it should come from the heart. It should be affections that accord with God's worth. 
And we see that here, these people are declaring and telling the nations to declare his power. What is it that they're testifying to? They say in verses 8 that it is because, sorry, verses 5 onwards, it is because of the exodus. They look back to how God had delivered them through the waters of the Dead Sea. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the waters on foot and they declare how God overcame the Egyptians and brought them from slavery into freedom. It's interesting, by the way, to note that he doesn't talk here about God's power in creating the world, although that is a great thing to testify about. But when God created the world, there was no one to oppose him. Here, where in the Exodus, there was opposition, which God overcame. And so it's an even more incredible thing, if you like, and they're able to look back on that and say, God delivered us from slavery. And then therefore nations should worship him. Notice in verses 12 onwards, it talks here about how God refined us through fire. God took us through the waters and brought us into a place of abundance. God tested us. Part of our testimony is that we learnt things through the difficulties that we went through, through the troubles that we went through. He refined us like silver. He tested us, but he got us through and he brought us to a place of abundance. We can make that our prayer for our nation and for ourselves at this time during lockdown, that God will bring us to a place of abundance. But then let's just finish by looking at verses 13 to 20, because here what happens is that the, 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 the you can imagine a Passover celebration with everybody together declaring God's praises, verses 1 to 12. And then suddenly an individual stands up and sings a solo. And he says, Come and see what God has done for me. God's not just interested in the nation, but he's interested in me as an individual. And I love what he says in verse 16. He says, come and listen, all you who fear God. Let me tell you what God has done for me. And then again in verse 20. Praise be to God who has not rejected my prayer or withheld his love from me. Isn't that true? God's interested in you. You have a song to sing. You have a testimony to give of what God has done for you. So let's just step back a minute as we come towards a close and think about the picture of this psalm. And we've seen that testimony is powerful. But another big thing, and this is the thing I want to finish with, that I see in this psalm is this, that there is both the personal and there is the public. There is personal piety and there is public proclamation. And both are important. God is interested in you and me as individuals. He's also interested in the whole world and the whole earth and the nations. In the late 17th uh, century, a chap called Spina introduced something um, in the Lutheran church in Germany called pietism. At the time, the German church was quite dry and arid and formal, and Spina introduced this whole idea of personal piety. Pietism became a movement. 
and it emphasized the need for personal relationship with God, uh, for personal rebirth and renewal and closeness with God. And in many ways, it was the sort of forerunner of the evangelical and then the charismatic movement, emphasizing the need for me and God to have a personal relationship. And that's a really important thing. But then Bonhoeffer came along during the Second World War and he said, it's not just about me and God. It's also important that the church confesses to the world what is right and what is wrong and declares him to the world. And in particular, he opposed the Nazis uh, and fascism and started the confessing church because the church is not just about me and God as an individual. It's also about us speaking to the world, speaking truth to the world about who God is and what God requires of us. It's me, but it's also the world. This psalm's unique selling point is that it speaks both about me, but also about the whole earth and how God is the God of both. I love the hymn, the words of this hymn, Jesus shall reign where'er the sun does its successive journeys run. His kingdom stretch from shore to shore till moons shall wax and wane no more. And this hymn just declares how God is the God of the whole earth. Verse four says, blessings abound where'er he reigns, the prisoners leap to loose their chains. The weary find eternal rest and all who suffer once are blessed. Do you know that this uh, hymn was um, notably sung at a special occasion? And this is recorded in the Methodist hymn book. Perhaps one of the most interesting occasions on which this hymn was used was that on which King George, the sable of South Sea Islands, but of blessed memory, gave a new constitution to his people, exchanging a heathen for a Christian form of government. Under the spreading branches of the banyan trees sat some thousand natives from Tonga, Fiji and Samoa on Whit Sunday, 1862, assembled for divine worship. Foremost among them all sat King George himself, Around him were seated old chiefs and warriors who had shared with him the dangers and fortunes of many a battle, men whose eyes were dim and whose powerful frames were bowed down with the weight of years. But old and young alike rejoiced together in the joys of that day, their faces, most of them radiant with Christian joy, love and hope. It would be impossible to describe the deep feeling manifested when the solemn service began by the entire audience singing Dr. Watts's hymn, Jesus shall reign where'er the sun. Who so much as they could realize the full meaning of the poet's words, for they had been rescued from the darkness of heathenism and cannibalism. And they were that day met for the first time under a Christian constitution, under a Christian king, and with Christ himself reigning in the hearts of most of those present. That was indeed Christ's kingdom set up in the earth. Let's pray. 
Lord, we thank you that you have set your kingdom up in the earth and your heart is for the whole world. Help us, oh God, to declare your praises to the world, but also thank you that as individuals we can testify to what you have done for us. You have not forgotten your love for me. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.